Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hello. All right, I just want to pre-apologize to our listeners. Um, my mother has a cough, so she might be coughing midway through, but she's really determined and passionate about this and wants to make sure that her listeners get to have a nice, good taste of, um, I guess, podcast bliss with uh, Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. <laughs> Um, love that. I don't know what it is. I came up, came up north, man, and got sick. I don't know. Um, I was talking to one of uh, your sister's neighbors today here in Baltimore, and she told me they moved here from California a couple of years ago. She says in California they never had any real health issues. They come here to Baltimore. And they've got, they, they've, they're wheezing, they've got a touch of asthma, they keep getting colds. I don't know. You just, I just get, you got a body, get, got to get used to it again. What is it about the city? I don't know. Um, so this week's topic is called Gam Zu Latova. In English, it translates to this too is good. It's about when something that's not revealed good happening to you, you might, you know, have lost a job, lost a relationship, um, you know, maybe got, became late to work. Um, and then you realize at the end that it was a really, it was really good, that it was a positive outcome uh, because of this hidden good outcome. So we're going to talk about our stories and our relationships to Gamsula Taiva and what we can learn from it. So Ima, you said that you had a story about when you were teaching in Baltimore City. Yes. Uh huh. What happened was one morning I was driving and I was late and there was this black lady who occasionally when I was driving along the street, every now and then when she saw me would flag me down and ask me to give her a ride to her job. So this particular morning, even though I was late, she flagged me down and I thought, oh, I said, how can I, you know, I, I can't, you know, ignore this poor woman. So, you know, I, I did pull to the side and you know, I, I drove her to her job. And then as I was driving along um, the route to get to my work, there was a traffic accident that had happened about, I don't know how many minutes ahead of me, but had I been on time, I probably, who knows, would have crashed right into the accident or something. Wow. So I missed an accident. I I have a story about actually how I got this job right now. Um, I'm really happy with this job. It's a great job, a great learning experience. Um, but how I got it was that it was during COVID and, um, everybody was out of work and I got, had this headhunter come and offer me this really nice position, uh, for this, you know, basically government contracted, you know, company. Um, they were very interested in in me and I got a few other offers to work in a few other offices that were, you know, decent offices that I probably would have enjoyed in. But I turned them down because I was waiting for the official, you know, go ahead that you can get that I would get on this, um, this position. And unfortunately, the headhunters like messed something up or upset the, uh, the company that this was to work for. And all of my job opportunities just fell through. And the only <laughs> job op- opportunity I had was this small little company that I found on Craigslist. And if it wasn't for me turning down these other job positions and having the main job opportunity, you know, 
that I, that wasn't able, I wasn't able to get a hold of. I would never have wor- even thought of working for this place. And now that I'm working for it, I'm really enjoying it, having a great time. So, wow. thank God, I'm glad it turned out okay. We were talking that there was a funny story though. I that I don't know. I don't think it's related. I don't know, but in a certain way, maybe that um, my father, you know, um, had his own company. He sold um, uh, kosher killed chickens and fruits and vegetables. In those days, they were called hucksters. And there was one day we were eating dinner. I think I was 12 years old. I didn't pick up on what was happening at the time because I was only 12 years old. And those days, 12-year-olds were innocent. (laughs) But here's what happened. My father says to my mother, you know what I like about you? You get up, you get yourself dressed, and you you get yourself going in the day. He says, there was this one customer of mine today who it's 1230 in the afternoon, and she opens the door, and she's still in her nightgown. 1230, she's still in her nightgown. (laughs) And she asked me, if I would take the order, it was a big box. And he said, I brought and bring it. And I brought it and I put it on the table. So then she asked me, would I mind putting everything away in the refrigerator for her? Okay, he figured, you know, it's a heavy box. I'll put it away in the refrigerator for her. So I put it away in the refrigerator for her. Then she says to me, would I mind coming upstairs and looking at her television set in her bedroom? Something about is broken. He said, so he says, he said to her, I'm sorry, Mrs. You know, such and such. I don't know anything about TVs. You're going to have to call a TV repairman. And I just left. And then my father says, imagine the nerve of that woman. What does she think I am, a TV repairman? And my mother cracked into total hysterics of laughter, threw her arms around my father, gave him a big kiss, and told her how much she loved him. And he goes, huh? I love it. I love it. I think that's the whole point of Zadie in his life. He was such a space cadet <laughs> with his ADD. Like it just worked out for him. Yeah, Gonzula oh Tova. Gonzula Tova. <laughs> but there's you know, something else about Zadie too. He was, when you're a good, honest person, sometimes you don't imagine that other people could be evil or have devious plans. Yeah. And that's where he was. He was a good, honest person. I could never imagine someone else having, I guess, a devious plan. I could see that. I, I, well, I, I get like that sometimes too, where like I would just innocently think someone's doing something. Um, a lot of times that's, it has to do with like if someone's too busy or someone doesn't pay attention to me, you know, I always figure like, oh, whatever, they're too busy. They're not sure, like whatever. And they're just doing their own thing. And other people would be like, well, didn't you see that they were purposely ignoring you? I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't think they were trying to purposely ignore me. I thought they were just trying to just, you know, go about their life. And if they don't say anything, then whatever. Then like, I, I, I figure maybe because like, I'm very straightforward and very like upfront that like, yeah. I kind of expect it from other people that like, if they try to do that weird passive aggressive thing, I just don't get it. I just don't <laughs> understand, you know? When you're talking about like Gamzalatova jobs, there was that um, that there was that horrible job I had at um, that grocery, which is no longer around. You know, Pantry Pride. Oh, don't know that place. That was uh, that. Well, they're no longer in existence, and um, it was really it was really horrible. They were putting me on like very very late hours. 
behind a deli counter by myself and you know, with no help. And uh, so finally, I eventually, it was a combination of, well, I got actually I, a combination of fired quit. Like um, I'm quitting, well, we're firing you, I'd say. And then after that, <laughs> the problem was I was, when you're in college, you need time to study. And the perfect job for any college student is a job where they can study, like say babysitting, for example, you put the kids to bed, now you can study. Um, a gallery monitor, you know, you're just sitting there studying and just making sure that nobody walks off with the goods. It was shortly after that Towson opened its Asian art center. And um, my piano teacher was one of the people who was uh, placed in charge of it. And of course he offered the job to me. And it was like the perfect job. It was an evening job, very quiet, just there in the gallery. And um, I was able to sit there and study, you know, uh, people are coming in and walking around and I look up occasionally and look around, make sure you know, that no one seems to be lifting anything. Yeah, I, I, I had something similar to that. Not, not like I was working for the JCC and they wanted me to walk around and, and socialize with people and clean up the, the machines. And I had no problem doing that. It's just that there were certain times where I'm like, if I don't have this job, which I need for money, I won't have time to, to study, which I need for college, which I need for work in the long run. So I had moments where like I was studying while I was working and it didn't sit very well with uh, the, I guess, I'm sorry, the owner of the, the, the boss and they didn't like it. And that's why like eventually, like I, I left to, to focus on going, going and living in New York. But when I came back, they didn't want to hire me because they saw that I was, um, I was reading while I was, while I was on the job. So they didn't let it. And that's it's a, it's a balance. You know what I do? A lot of college, uh, it's a, it's a very typical conflict that a lot of college students have, you know, yeah. work, study. If I don't work, I, I, on the one hand, I need the job. On the other hand, I've got to study so I can, you know, pass my courses and get on to the real career that I really do want. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I think I was 23. I was trying to move out of the house and trying to like live on my own while going to school and and like being in a relationship, living on your own, going to school, that is just a lot to handle. Um, you know, I, I literally, I struggled where it's like, I could barely pay rent, let alone food, because I was working for catering by Alpha, where I, on the weekends, where I was only making like pennies to the dollar. And like, I had school throughout the entire week that I had to get stuff done. And of course my relationship. So I had to, you know, keep that going and I had to make sure that, you know, I was, I was able to, I guess, pay attention to that because, you know, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of like, I remember this, this one story, that story, this like allegory, uh, this, some rich businessman said that like life is about juggling and some, when you're juggling some balls that are rubber and some balls are glass. And some balls, you can, you can drop them and they'll bounce right back. It's no big deal. But some balls, if you drop them, they, they shatter or break or they have a little bit of, of scratches on them. And no matter how much you pick them up and continue juggling, there still will be scratches on them. And you got to be really careful with what you're willing to drop because you know it's going to bounce back and what uh -huh. you shouldn't drop because if you do, no matter what you do, it's, it's not going to come back the way it was. 
That is scary. That is kind of scary, man, when you think about that. There was one teacher in our high school who used to uh, introduce himself to the class by saying, my class is like life. If you fail my class, you're probably going to fail life. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's like, oh, my God, talk about pressure. What, what class was this? I think it was, I think it was uh, a sociology class or a psychology class. Well, I guess. Great I psychology. Mean, so really, really easy courses. Like, yeah, if you fail this, I, I don't know how else to explain it to you. <laughs> oh, I wish maybe like in some other lifetime, I would have become a psychiatrist or psychologist. I, have, I find it very fascinating. Um, oh, yeah. oh, Jewish studies. Jewish studies, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I was telling you what about that. The, yeah. What? I was telling you yesterday about that podcast I was listening to. It was oh, uh, yeah. called The Shrink Next Door. The Shrink Next Door, Next Door, it's about this, this psychiatrist who basically involves himself into someone's life and eventually takes them over and, and, and controls them and uses it and manipulates them. It's very scary, but like, it was almost comical the way they, the way they presented it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think like if I would choose a different major or different career path, I think I'd probably do something like that. I just, there's, there, there's some fascination I have towards it. Well, there was once at your sister's vort, almost every other uh, person I met there was going into psychology. And I finally mentioned it to somebody I said, you know, who was doing this. When I finally met the, like, the 10th person who told me she was going into psychology, I said, you know, I said, I have met so many people going to psychology. I said, is this really going to be a viable profession by the time you are all finished? Because so many people are going to be in it. She says to me, don't worry. There are enough crazy people in this world to keep us all in business. <laughs> if, if you, I mean, you, your, your major was music and you switched to teaching. But if you... Well, no, my music was mu music education. Uh, so music education. it was, yes, it was both, yeah. So if you, if, you, if you had a chance to like go back to being when you were like, I would say you're... you're, you're your 70 year old brain gets shoved into an 18 year old, you know, body, what would you do differently? Well, the opportunities today are very, very different. Um, I mean, now I've spoken to people that are going into music and the music world has changed tremendously. It's no longer just playing an instrument, just singing, just performing. It's now production and recording and marketing and it's even like um say uh hello told me she uh oh, this one girl told me she what does she do she um she actually she yeah she's in music production where she actually makes the engagement go Finds the finds the uh, setting, finds the you know, the concert hall, uh, does the entire setup, and that was part of her music education. So um, things are uh, things are quite different. I, quite honestly, I was thinking the other day, if, you know, like we say about our lives, if we had it to do it all over again, what would we do differently? Quite honestly, nothing. It was what it was. Yeah, but I'm saying, what if you? But I mean, like. Probably do the same thing all over again. Yeah, really. I love children. I love music. And um, 
Like I said, probably would have done the same thing all over again. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say like with the knowledge I have now, I'd probably do, do the same thing, but this time better. And that makes any sense. I think I would slow down more. I wouldn't try to go ahead and, and speed things up so much. <laughs> I think I was in a real big hurry when I was younger, like a real major hurry. Like I was having to do everything and get it done yesterday kind of situation. And looking back, I'm like, if only I just took my time and I didn't go ahead and rush things. I think quite honestly, um, the experience I had for those four years living in New York was a very good experience. I think everybody in this country at one time or another should experience living in New York. You can live in New York. You can live anywhere. Yep. And I, in fact, I was talking to Menachem. Menachem was driving, or your brother Menachem lives in New York, of course, and he was driving around as he was talking to me, trying to find a parking place in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not that Yay. bad. Brooklyn's not well, that yeah, bad. 20 minutes. Anybody who drives to Brooklyn spends at least 20 minutes looking for a parking space. You, and I told him, the first year I lived in New York, had my car, I chalked up three hundred dollars worth of parking tickets wow now i didn't know they had reciprocity with maryland oh, i get a letter from my mother we just received a bill for three hundred dollars for the parking tickets you just chalked up in new york if you are so intent on supporting the new york police department you can send some support money to us <laughs> Well, I went to court and Brooke Hashem got it busted down to 150. $150 is not 300. Yeah. But after that, after that first year, it was actually the second year, the second year of living in New York, continuing. I mean, I think I must have lived down at that courthouse, constantly fighting parking tickets. I finally said, forget it. I left my car in Baltimore and New York public transportation is so good that you really don't need a car. A car in New York is a liability. Yeah. Well, I'm doing the doing the calculations. You had to pay five hundred and seventy-seven dollars in tickets today. <laughs> Jeez, <Okay>. Louise. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I remember I got my first parking. I got a parking ticket. I got my first speeding ticket. I was driving from Newark Airport with my friend Zach, and. I was speeding. I didn't realize I was speeding. I was just trying to go with the flow of traffic and everyone was going super fast. So I'm like just driving, whatever, just sitting there. All of a sudden, whoop, whoop, I get pulled over. And this is my first time. So you're supposed to pull over to the right. I pulled over to the left. The cop comes out. He says, why'd you pull over to the left? I'm like, this is my first time getting a piece of being ticket. I have no idea what you want from me. I don't know what you want. Um, and he's like, do you know how fast you're going? I'm like, to be honest, I wasn't looking at my speedometer. I was just trying to go with the flow of traffic. He's like, you were going 90 miles an hour. I'm like, oh. I'm sorry. And I got, I think it was, I think it was a $210 ticket that I had, to, sp I had to, to work off of. That's what hey, I had. with that money, you could have gotten a ticket to the Indianapolis Speedway for the, for the 50, Indianapolis 500. 500. Yeah. A ticket, well, a ticket to see fast cars, not drive fast cars. There's a difference. <laughs> so, Nusa, I think you, what did you do? Uh, I had to, I, I had to pay it. I think Tati paid it first and I paid Tati. Um, I think I, I worked for Yaffa and just paid it off that way. And, oh, oh, for... oh, I was, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, so 
um, what happened was, was that they said you could fight it, but you don't have to go to the courthouse. You can send a letter. And I sent a letter and I remember Tati helped me with the letter. And instead of saying I was going 90 miles an hour, I wanted to sound more sophisticated. So I said accelerating at 90 miles an hour. Oh no. <laughs> so they were like, sorry, buddy. First ticket, first time offense. You're out of here, 210 bucks. Oh, like, uh... I was surprised was that expense because a lot of times um, um, if you if you don't if um, you don't fight the police like you you pull the side and right away and they don't have to chase you a lot of times they'll reduce the ticket they'll be very well, nice this about is, this it. was my first offense that's why I, it's, it's like I was a scared little boy uh -huh. that was like 17 years old just got his license yeah so but I'm surprised like, that the that the, t that the policeman didn't like lower the ticket because you were cooperative that, no I mean it helped me a few times I, I've gotten warnings and whatnot but. Um, but no, I, I, I think he was just trying, they were trying to try to scare me because it was my first time. I, I like, it doesn't, didn't matter. You know? Oh my gosh. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh my gosh. I remember the time about the, um, I think we, we, brought, we, I think we had that one time about the policeman that pulled me to the side because, um, my license didn't match what they had on record. Yeah. My, the, the tag. The tag what do you mean? The match. Okay, what happened was I was, um, this policeman pulls me on the side. He was very nice. And he said, um, your light, the tag on your car does not match the type of car that we have on record. And he says, I'm very sorry to pull you to the side. You know, he says, but, um, you know, I, I said, I understand you're just doing your job. And I said to him, do I look like a car thief to you? Oh, God, what did he say? And he laughed. And he said, I said to him, then I explained that I just, we had just bought, we had just bought this car two weeks ago. And he says, well, what was your original car? And I told him the type of car that our original car was. And he go, and he looked up there. He says, oh, does that make sense? He says, evidently, they did not feed the new information into the computer yet. Oh, yeah. Well, process new information. Everything takes time. Yeah, he was very sweet, very nice, very polite, and apologized. Oh. Okay. All right, well, that's our episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining me. Sorry about your cough. Um, Thank you. I love you, and I love lo love the listeners, guys. Love the comments I see on Facebook, everything. We both really appreciate it. Um, and really, thank you for the Rafur Shalemas for uh, my mother. You know, so uh, thank you for, for, I want to thank everybody for the Rafur Shalemas. That's really sweet of you. Thank you so much. And, you know, the other thing about these podcasts is that it's like after the podcast, like a couple of days later, I think of something. I go, oh, shucks. I should have mentioned that. Well, that's why we, well, what we could do is we, we can, we can give, you can give me a call and we could record and we can do everything like that. Um, and then we, what we could do is I could just jot it down and then we could remind it for next episode. Okay. Okay. Hey, okay, sweetheart. Love you. Have a good Chavez. Love you too. Have a good Chavez. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please like and share and find us on Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother Podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you.